Well, Tim Leonard, the break is over. We are back. Syracuse is back. Syracuse, Syracuse is, is back way back. In a big way. <laughs> big win against Duke. We'll get to all that. We'll also look ahead to what's going on with Pitt. We've got a lot of thoughts on both of those teams. And, you know, I'm really looking forward to this Duke conversation because a lot of great things happened. Syracuse took down the number one team in the country. We'll get to that. Also, football schedule's out. I don't it's know what to think week. of it. Do you know what to think of it quite yet? I've got some thoughts brewing, but right. nothing concrete. We'll hash it out, though. I'll try to formulate my thoughts by then. Anyway, FizzCast, let's go. Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. Heck of a Monday on Big Monday for Syracuse. Tyler Rocky, Tim Leonard with you. Recapping everything for you here on the FizzCast. Orange taking down the number one team in the country. You know that by now. We're going to tell you some stuff that you probably didn't know by now about that game. Also, our thoughts as well as looking ahead to Pitt, all that good stuff. Uh, and then and the football schedule is out as well. So we'll, we'll get to all those. But first, Tim Leonard, you but must first. go find us everywhere online. I'm on Twitter, it. on Facebook, why not SoundCloud, why not iTunes, Spotify, right? and now Spotify. Spotify. That's right, Tim. Huge. We are now on Spotify, so you can check us out if, if that is your preferred method of podcast. Go check us out on Spotify. Yeah, Give everywhere. us a follow. Yeah. You know, I think we get to track the analytics better on Spotify, too. Really? Yeah. Huh. So for all the Sabermetrics people, maybe yeah. we'll have our, our, <laughs> our podcast Sabermetrics stat of the day uh, on our Spotify. It's a much better tracking. Also, sure. by the way, on, on Twitter... I have to point this out. Yep. On Twitter, we also have – we're coming up on 6,000 followers. Wow. I believe at the time of this recording, we were at 5,933. We should do something, like, dumb slash fun for whoever is that 6,000 follower. Try and become our 6,000 It'll follower. be a bot. It'll yeah. be a bot. It'll be <laughs> a, a Bayheim bot or something exactly. like that. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, up? Syracuse, Duke, you know the, the final score by now. Overtime win for the Orange. It's still and, shocking. Yeah, it, it, it's still kind I of still settling in. I my head around it. So, uh, I'll just let you start. What, what was the biggest thing you took away? I mean, they scored 95 points. Yeah, think, like, yeah. how did that happen? I still can't fathom. I know Elijah made a literally 80-footer at the end of the half, and that was <laughs> And it ends up itself. making a, a, a monster, monster difference in the game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was once that happened, it was like, oh, my gosh, like this might actually be their night. If that stuff's going down, Buddy banked in a three right before right. that. I think Jim even alluded to it in his press conference and was like, yeah, we made an 80-footer and banked in a three. So I think it was just sometimes that stuff happens, and that was kind of the night. But, I, I mean, it's one thing to beat Duke. It's another thing. For this team to put up 95 points, granted 10 of them in overtime. But, but e- even without still, the 10, the 85, I looked this up. staggering. It would have been the most this team had scored in regulation anyways. Yeah, all year, right? Yep, all year. So, so. I mean, I can't remember the last time they scored 85 going back to last year. I think it was 80. They had 84 against Moorhead State. Okay. Moorhead State is completely different, though. Right. And I mean, this Duke team plays defense. It's not like last year. Great defensive team. Yeah, like Zion's a a good defender. They didn't have Trey Jones, which we'll talk about in a little bit. And that probably made all the difference in the world. Right. But still, I mean, you're going up against a number of good. And and, I mean, you're looking at the number one and number two pick in the 
in yeah. the upcoming draft. Not to mention, they didn't score their first field goal, Syracuse, of the game until the 15-18 mark. And they did hit a couple free throws before then at 16-58. So it was 12 nothing up until the 16-58 mark. It's staggering because once that was happening, I mean, I'm sure plenty of fans were ready to turn off the TV at that point. Right. What team has ever come back in Cameron at all, let alone down 12 nothing. And a lot of it was Trey Jones, and they didn't have Cam Reddish either, like you said. But I, I still think the 95 points, 48 of them in the first half, it just came right out of left field. I don't understand it. So my biggest takeaway from this is the fact that this team, yeah, you put up 95 points, but you also went to overtime and didn't get in foul trouble yeah, on the road. that's right. Uh, against the number one team in the country. And there were a ton of fouls early. Right. No one really got in foul trouble in this game. Like, no one fouled out, at least, now, which is very Chuku, surprising. Chuku had four at the end, and Sidibe had three in three minutes, so he was kind of a non-factor. But And, and we'll get to Pascal Chuku because Yeah, he, we're kind of doing him a disservice. Right. He's probably the biggest takeaway. He is the biggest takeaway, along with Tyus Battle. Uh, right. But to me, it's the fact that nobody gets in foul trouble against a team that's going to get every single whistle at home. You'd think, yeah. You'd think that... And they did kind this, of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It felt it, like it. And you'd think that this would be a game where we see one of the Syracuse bigs fall out. None of them fall out, or really even come that close to falling out. I would say Jim Beheim managed this game really well with all the fouls and that. Now, granted, Marek Dolezal got steamrolled by a Jeep moving at... What's the <laughs> speed that the Zion Williamson is? <laughs> I don't know, 30 miles per hour. It's it something, felt like. it's something yeah. crazy. But yeah. it's got the Zion Williamson moving down end to end. Oh, has yeah. the force of like a Jeep moving at like 15 miles an hour or something. Right. Something and crazy Marek like that. Marek is a smart car, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're doing that comparison. He's more like a, a John Deere mower. Yeah. But, <laughs> yeah. but to me, I mean, that, that was my biggest takeaway is the fact that this team stayed out of foul trouble, which has been kind of the Achilles heel all season long. And then they also pretty much capitalized on their free throws. Pascal hit some big ones down the stretch. He did go four for eight, but he hit two big ones when they really made it. Yeah, it was a one and one in OT. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So. Tyus seven for seven, Elijah two for two, O'Shea one for two. Right. I mean, I, I don't understand where the performance came from, from Pascal, but, I mean, it's like, why can't he do that every time? Because he looks so And it's so, so easier said, it's so much easier said than done. Yeah, and, and a but, lot, I mean, he still missed some bunnies underneath. He, totally, it was three for five from the floor, so that's really solid. Can't really complain about that. But 18 rebounds, I know Duke is, I mean, they have Zion Williamson. They've got some size. Really, he was battling. Delorier, yeah, and, uh, and Marquise Bolden, right. both of them. I, I, I just don't understand you play 32 minutes in the game that he had, hitting the free throws, making some clutch, the alley-oop dunk in overtime. 10 points, 18 rebounds. He had the four fouls. He had three blocks. I mean, it was an all-around tremendous performance. It was and, a lot like Tyler Roberson's performance when they won at Cameron. Yeah, I mean, this game had a lot of eerie similarities to it from yeah. that game a couple of years ago. But Pascal only had three blocks. But he also altered, Oh yeah, what, probably Five, at least five more shots, and he's not going to go down in the stat sheet for that. Right. But, I mean, I, I just – that's what you need out of Pascal Chukwu. Now, can he give you 32 minutes every single night? Probably not. No. But can you continue to do this now against a team like Pitt and then Miami, some of the, the lessers of the ACC? You can't be a guy who only gets up for the big games. And, I mean, this is a guy who got flat-out benched the right. other night. 
No, I when I did I did sort of mid season report cards on orangefizz.net and this was before the Duke game. I forget exactly what I gave Pascal, but it was something around a D. And he's been not good all year. He's been less than stellar. So he, he basically has been performing at maybe a three out of ten, if ten's the highest scale, and then all of a sudden he had a ten performance. We don't expect him to have tens every single time, but if he can have a seven or an eight this game proved that he can get to that level, and if he does that, this is a completely different team. So, I hate to just go player by player, but <laughs> I think next week, let's talk about Tyus Battle. Yeah. First of all, it's, it's pun season now. At, whenever Tyus Battle goes off against a good team, then you get all like the battle-tested puns. So right. Pretty much every mm-hmm. outlet on the planet has now exhausted those. But he goes for 32. Only... Made one three too. Which I, I thought, thought he was, was going to hit that three at the end I did of regulation. Too. I did, man. And I thought he was going to do it. I, it was such a good look, right? Too. To complain about that shot is dumb because I mean, think about if that goes in, we're not complaining about it. A and everyone had faith in him based on what he's done in the Georgetown game in March Madness. It's right. He's been clutch ever since his freshman year here, and he hit that buzzer beater at Clemson. He's honestly borderline like G-Max status now with all these clutch shots. And it's a shame that he didn't get like that one signature shot from this game because that could have been it. And that he was just been, steady. Yeah, that could have been a signature shot of his SU career if it was at Cameron and a silencer and all that. But overall, they don't even come close to winning this game without him because in the first half, it felt like, especially in the first 10 minutes of the first half, it was only him and Elijah doing anything. And if they didn't have him, which kind of initiated battle, I'm saying, then... They wouldn't even be close in that first half and let alone the entire game. So with Battle, too, I mean, he also had the 1-3. He didn't make it, but he shook. I think it was Jack White yes. right at the top. He, he put him How were they him putting down. Jack White on him? I don't understand. <laughs> Just but, a bad matchup. Yeah. But, no, Battle was phenomenal. Played every single minute of this game, too, along with Elijah Hughes. We saw Elijah Hughes hook that one shot at the buzzer, which we've already kind of hit on right now. By the way, I – I have a new Elijah Hughes nickname. Oh, wow. We're going to go with Slash. Why is that? Because he plays the air guitar. <laughs> I like and, it. And that's like part it. of his game, too. Yeah. He's a slasher. So. Did he do any air guitars at Cameron? He did. He did one or two. I love that. I, I, yeah. He slapped I'm a big... the floor, too. That did he was re- awesome. You oh, I did, I did see that. Yeah, I did yeah, see that. Yeah. yeah. That's such like, a mock at Duke because yes. Duke, remember last year they started playing the 2-3 zone and, and started slapping the floor, and everyone on Twitter lost their mind. Well, I feel like they were the first, like, Chris Duhon they, era. Yeah. That was the first They were slapping the floor. It. No, yeah, they, they've been slapping the floor forever. And right. then they get – but that's like man-to-man, I'm going to get right up in your jersey, I'm going to give you 94 feet of hell. And they were doing zone last year. And then year. they are doing the zone last year, and, and they're slapping the floor. You see, like, Marvin Bagley and Grayson Allen slapping the floor. I love Elijah. He, he's got that, like, <laughs> cockiness about him, but it's not over the top, and it's also, like – it's, it's humorous. Right. He's, like, conscientious during the game to, like, sort of poke fun and, like, slap the floor because we're in Cameron and we're playing well. Or do the air guitar after Lance Stevenson. It's just cool. Like, he's playing with confidence, but he's also, like, not over-the-top brash. It's really right. a, a good mix. So, another guy I want – or I guess this is kind of twofold right here. Tonight – or not tonight. The Monday night yeah. was Jalen Carey's worst performance in Orange – and conversely, it was also Frank Howard's best performance in Orange from yeah. what I've seen. That's so, kind of a sad storyline here. Is, it yeah, feels like Jalen Carey is sort of being phased out, which doesn't seem right. Based I don't on think how he was. Plays. I don't think he's necessarily getting phased out. The way I, I, I know, see though. it is the in this game because remember, I believe it was against Georgia Tech. 
where Beheim was actually complimentary of Carey and, and, and Buddy Beheim, and he only played minutes. him a handful. Of I think minutes. it was Clemson when he. Maybe it was Clemson. Yeah, no, you're right. you're right. It was Clemson, but with with Frank How or with Jalen Carey, he's kind of swept under the rug, but. He had the three turnovers. Trey Jones was just giving him the business yeah. for the entire length of the court. And I've been a pretty staunch Jalen Carey supporter the entire year and have even said that there at times it's, it looked like he should be the guy that's starting. But to, that Monday night was by far and away his worst performance that I've seen out of him. But you got to expect that a little bit, right? Right. I mean, he's freshman still a freshman. In Cameron. In Cameron. O'Shea looked he, really rough last he year. Hasn't, he hasn't been afraid of the big lights though i mean he went to msg yeah. balled out there uh got acc rookie of the week then and got put on the all tournament team there at the at that tournament but frank howard i mean the first half wasn't great but when you look at the second half by far and away his best basketball he in that second half scores all of his points second half in ot scores all of his points he had that one stretch that sort of kept him in the game midway right through and that second half he was hitting mid-range jumpers he has that nice little turnaround jumper to go with now right. wasn't turning the ball over very much in this game i mean he coughed it up i think twice in the early going against trey jones his turnovers and have been really good this year they, yeah they've been solid they've been hovering around like three which is three fine, or less given how much like. he controls the ball and it, it in those first couple minutes, he, he coughs it up, I believe, twice against Trey Jones, gets yanked for Carey. Carey does the same, and then Frank comes right back in, and it seemed like he was really settled down. The first four minutes, the Orange looked absolutely scared. Absolutely yeah. scared. Then they played the next ten minutes absolutely fearless. Right. So, from all of that, I just – I mean, this is a new Frank Howard. This, this was a leadership-type game. He looked like a leader out there, leader of men, and – that's what Syracuse needs out of him because this point guard position is probably going to be the biggest X factor moving forward. I know you can also point at the center as being that big performer that right. you kind of need every single night, but there's no guarantees there. I know Chuku had the great game. I don't expect that to be, be semi-near yeah, sustainable. Next time. And, yeah, for all we know, Marek's going to step up next or Barama's going to come Which in and have fine. a great game. I mean, as long as someone's doing it. Because no one was doing it at the start. Carey is still having his freshman moments at times. And if Frank Howard isn't clicking, this team is dysfunctional. I think the thing with Carey, it's kind of like the Nasir Little argument at UNC. Is it, and it, and the argument is, is Carey playing poorly because he's not getting enough minutes? And due to that fact, he's forcing it a little bit or having to play up tight and not play his true self? Or is he just playing poorly because he's not ready and he's a freshman? And I think... It might lie somewhere in between, and it's tough to decipher right now, but if Frank's going to keep playing like that, like Jim has said in the past, he's going to go with the senior. He's going to ride his guy, especially in the final 10 minutes, and especially in a almost felt like a must, not must win, but like a dire type of desperation game that really could have changed the impact of the entire season like it was at Duke in a hostile environment like that. You've got to go with the senior. It's a no-brainer. Right, and... To me, it feels like, and it's it's very similar. I, I'm glad you brought up the Nasir Little comparison. Granted, there's probably a lot more angry Chapel Hill fans than right. Syracuse fans, but smaller I, scale, right? And I think that with a guy like Jalen Carey and, and just like Nasir Little, when they come in the game, they're freshmen. They're still probably a little bit nervous because they know all eyes are on them, every, and they have shorter leashes than some of the elders on the team. But he comes in and. It feels like he has to do everything, and that's why we're seeing the turnovers. 
out right. of him. He has to prove it all right then and there. Otherwise, so he's you're not leaning get a little minutes. more on the maybe Beheim should just cut the leash or make the leash a little bit longer and give him more minutes regardless. Because well, here's the thing: I feel I like mean, I'm on that side a little bit. Here's the thing against Duke. Jalen Carey, after those two turnovers, you had to yank him. Yeah, I mean, it was, right. What he was doing was inexcusable. He couldn't get the ball over the timeline. No, no. And Trey Jones was locking him right. down completely. So I, I think with Jalen Carey, yeah, it's not going to work against Duke. But maybe a couple other games, you extend the leash a little bit. Because he does good things defensively, too. Right. He's been good. And that's the thing that's weird is as we transition to ACC play, his minutes have kind of steadily gone down. And he played well in that Notre Dame game and kind of changed the tide of that first half. But even in that game, he only got 11 minutes. Then he plays five minutes against Clemson, a little bit more against Georgia Tech. But you bring him all the way down. He hasn't seen the second half in now two entire games. And Frank played all 20 minutes of the second half in this Duke game. So you're talking about someone that was – 37 38 on ESPN I can't remember the specific number as in his class and and it's just a shame if he's not going to be a factor but at the same time if he's not going to be a factor because Frank is playing at his level then as long as Syracuse has that point guard that they know that they can rely on they'll be fine and and I think we're starting to see Frank get back to that way let's look at the point guard on the other side because this made all the difference yeah Trey Jones going out, he gets leveled by Frank Howard. It was eerily similar to what I what I thought was – I mean, my big comparison with it is when Syracuse played Clemson in football, Evan Foster just cracks Trevor Lawrence out oh, of the game. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, I, and it felt like things were going to turn right there. That's exactly what happened with it the Orange. It was a classic Syracuse big win where the, uh, the team There's an can excuse. complain. Yeah. Right? Even West Virginia could complain about Will Greer, but think back to Kelly Bryant two years ago, right. that Clemson game in the Dome. So it, it just makes too much sense. It was classic Syracuse. Nothing nothing is ever, is ever a clean win for Syracuse. But out goes Trey Jones, and life happened and for Duke. I don't know if you've seen <laughs> yes, the, the K. Yes, I did but see that. I, I don't know. Life happened like, tonight. <laughs> I mean, th- it just felt like a giant acid trip for them. Like, I don't know what <laughs> what's going on in K's lab. But So, uh-huh. life happened for Duke, and they go without Trey Jones for a little bit, and it was just they, – they looked dysfunctional. I mean, R.J. Barrett – everyone wants to, to crap on R.J. Barrett's stat line. It's the same thing that happened with Tyus Battle at the beginning of the year. Tyus Battle had some terrible numbers – out of the gate, and it was because he was asked to handle some of the point guard duties. Yeah. Well, they just settled for too many threes without right. their floor general. And, and there's there's no flow to that offense. If they weren't getting it down low to Zion, they weren't getting anything. Right. It felt like they had to work really hard for their points, where Syracuse was sort of like in transition, Tyus driving, sort of being aggressive, going downhill. Duke was – all right, let's kill 15 seconds, work it around the arc. RJ will chuck up a three. We'll maybe get an offensive rebound, chuck up another three. That was their offense, really. I think quietly, no one's talking about this, RJ Barrett almost had a (laughs) (laughs) triple-double. Yeah, but he also went two for 15 in the second half. Right. I mean, he wasn't efficient offensively. No. And a lot of that can be because of Trey Jones. But I think his performance, it wasn't great, but – he still it impacted the terrible. game a lot. Um, I don't think it was as bad as everyone was. I mean, Zion's going to get all the praise and accolades. He sets the the Duke freshman record for most points in a game with 35 and does it super efficiently, he, 12 of 20. I yeah. mean, he has he has 
35, RJ has 23, and Zion did it in 10 less shots. Now, he was getting to the free throw line way more, but I don't know. I, I feel like this is going to be a, a very strange take, but that game kind of proved to me that RJ Barrett should be the number one pick in the draft. Really? And, and here's why. I just I know he, he was way worse. He much. settled. But I just a lot of those moves I saw Zion do, it's not going to work on an, on an NBA center. And yeah. don't get me wrong, I think it's kind Zion, of ball. Zion's going to evolve and change his game a little bit. I, I mean, you saw it a little bit where he would step back for three. He clearly can shoot the free throw well. He's a great rebounder. But a lot of those moves, I mean, where he just overpowers a guy in the lane, that's not going to work on Anthony Davis. It that's was, not going to work on DeMarcus yeah. Cousins. It was weird because Zion scored 35, yes, and we knew he was impacting the game while we were watching it. But it didn't. You didn't get the feel that he was like red hot or anything, and right. I think that speaks volumes to just how he, much he made he can some impact. incredible, incredible finishes. Right. I, I'm not taking anything but away you from just his performance. Sort of, you're like, it, oh, Zion. It's a Zion. great. It's yeah. a great college thing. And right. Syracuse clearly doesn't have an NBA center on their roster. They don't have an NBA power forward on their roster, unless you count O'Shea Brissett, who's slowly working his way out of that conversation. It feels yeah. like. But that's a story for another day. And I just think that. What RJ did out there was, I mean, he showed he's. I mean, those shots are gonna fall for him. It wasn't his night. Yes and no, yeah. But I mean, he shot seventeen threes. That's he where I'm like, you question it, but at the yeah, same time, that's way I mean, too you got many. you got Jack White out there chucking ten times and, <laughs> and going over that eleventh one though. It was yeah, going down. It was gonna Jack. go in, yeah. but I mean, I guess Alex O'Connell had a good game shooting the ball. He was four of eight from three. He had a couple big threes, too. Crazy they had to play him 34 minutes. I know overtime, too, but just looking at the box score, 34 minutes for him, 34 for Bolden. Delorier only played 11 minutes, which is kind of odd. I I guess they just rode Bolden because he was having a pretty good game. He finishes with 12 and 11. But, I mean, all these numbers seem extrapolated and seem bigger. Like, O'Shea actually, points-wise, had a pretty solid game. And I remember at the end of the game, I saw O'Shea with 14 points. That felt like the quietest 14 points ever. But it's just because they scored 95, Syracuse did, and they went into overtime. So, one thing, too. Okay, if, if this felt like the inevitable game to reel the fan base back in, too. <laughs> right. I don't know if that's the way you felt, too. Absolutely. So, listen, I, I thought that Syracuse was going to come in and win this game. I know you did, but and, and I told you that. I told you, you that earlier. In the, I told some other people. Unfortunately, and I got, we didn't get it on a I podcast. I got a, a I got a lot of crap for it. Right. It just felt like the game. They're gonna. They have zero business winning this game, and they're just gonna do it. Rope the fan base back in, and the the march to Minneapolis. Is it was back also on. set up perfectly for the Duke trap game. Right. Because Virginia's looming. They just played a tough game against yes. Florida State on the road. Right. You Short get the buzzer beater. I, mean, I don't know. This game is the just stars like, aligned. Reddish right. didn't play. Jones got hurt. We could go on and right. on. But at the end of the day, Syracuse played their best game of the season, and it's not even close. Right. But here's what I'm going to say. I feel double right. All right? And here's <laughs> why. why. that? So I, I thought Syracuse would win. But to be honest, I didn't have the balls to say it to a lot of people, <laughs> aside from, like, you and a couple other right. friends. So you can't take I didn't 100%. have the balls to say it because, I mean, l- let's be honest. If Trey Jones stays in, Duke's winning this game, and they may be covering that point spread, too, of yeah. 17. Well, I feel like if they win, they cover. Right. <laughs> and if they lose, I mean, if they don't cover, Syracuse is winning. That's basically how that night was going, I feel like. So, yeah, I feel double right. Teams. Yeah. I guess you were. I mean, you were 
you thought they were going to win, but at the same time you were scared to say it. And once Trey Jones went out, I'm sure, like a lot of other people, you said, whoa, like this changes things. I mean, Trey I, Jones, he played five minutes, and he played the most, the five most impactful minutes of the game. I mean, yeah. you want to talk about the MVP of this Duke team, and you've heard B- Billis and, and Jay Williams right. all talk about it, that Zion, Zion and RJ and Cam Reddish are – by far and away, the three best players on this team. But Trey Jones is the most important. Right. And you, this is the the prime example. And apparently he's not going to be out as long as people think. I don't think he's playing against Virginia on Saturday, but they're it's saying tough. he may be back a lot sooner than others think. It, it was pretty much a, a separated shoulder. Yeah. The three storylines that you hear every Duke game now are – Zion's Instagram followers. They have mm-hmm. to that's a mandatory 2. mention. 2.2 million in case right. you yeah. didn't catch the first <laughs> They've got to mention about all his Instagram followers. They've got to mention how important Trey Jones is and that he's his brother is Tyus Jones and establish mm-hmm. that connection and maybe they'll show like some photos of Tyus playing at Duke and you know we we know it by now. We're like halfway through the season, but they still got to mention that. And then they've also got to hammer down that R.J. Barrett and Zion Williamson are best friends. Just in case anyone thought that, that two some players friction. that are on the same team are not good. Like, wh- why is that surprising? Like, why aren't they telling us that Tyus Battle and Frank are good friends or Tyus and Elijah are good friends? <laughs> why Why is it so important to mention that every game? I'm just sick of it. All right. That's well, my rant. You're going to have to be sick of it because Duke-Virginia is going to be a great game. And yeah. they're going to say that about, what, five times? <laughs> Maybe I a mean, million. All, all th- yeah. All the stops will be pulled out for that game. But I, I I mean, I just, I mean, Trey Jones is just monumental to this team. Yeah, he is. They're going to need him moving forward because this team played like freshmen for overtime and the final 10 minutes of regulation. Mm -hmm. They played like freshmen. You saw RJ settle for bad shots. Zion even then again though this is what Syracuse does to Duke like basically every time they play them so was it every young team yeah too right you get them to to settle for some threes that they think are open that really aren't I mean Duke launched over 43s in this game they shot 43 threes (laughs) nine of 43 that's like the Rockets in that game seven they lost or whatever 21 percent yeah unheard of for a team a Duke team like this and I mean this is a team that I find it so impressive that this team made nine threes in an overtime game, launched it 43 times, and still puts up 91 points. <laughs> yeah. They still I mean, that's found just all being score. overlooked. Right. I felt like their Syracuse did a great job of not turning the ball over because that's what Duke does. They take defense into offense. and 15 make... turnovers, and Syracuse had about five in the first what? Two minutes. Two I minutes. Don't know. Maybe three not minutes. even. What, when did Jalen Carey come out? Carey had at least two, I think. Carey had Howard had a couple. I mean, there were, you know, more than you Trey could count Jones on one hand forced, in the first couple minutes. Trey Jones forced about a third of the Oranges' turnovers in his six minutes. Right, because they were talking about his defense, and it felt like every time they're like, oh, there he is again with with the steal or whatnot. But he, he is great, and once he went out, there's no doubt the game changed. The thing that I think is the difference, though, and Jim Beheim said this, is you get a good game from Frank Howard, and you get a good game from Pascal Chukwu, and you've got your five starters that are returning from last year. I guess Elijah is now, of course, starting instead of Marek. So really, those six players all played well when they were on the floor, except for the first couple minutes. But And O'Shea was, I guess, a little up and down. But that shows you when things align, this is why this team was preseason 16 or whatever they were, because 
the pieces are there, and they can score points. They scored 95 against one of the best defensive teams in the country on the road. Right. So you can't tell me that they're not offensively talented. There's so many offense. I mean, there are – I'm looking right now. There are five guys who can give you offense any given night. It's Tyus right. Battle, it's Elijah Hughes, Frank Howard, O'Shea Brissett, and Jalen Carey. Right. And I'm confident that one of them can provide you with 20 points on any given night. At absolutely. least one. You're probably going to get two or three. That. Yeah. Yeah. That really can do it. Even so. Marek, I mean, he scored 20 against Wake Forest in the ACC tournament. So, I mean, he's he's been prone to get above double digits, just not that much this year because the ball is more in Hughes' hands and stuff like that. All right. Any last thoughts on Duke? Great win for Syracuse. They're Huge back. Just, just like they always do. When you think they're done, back from the dead. Right. We'll see how that continues. We'll there. see. Okay, let's let's look ahead to Pitt because all these great performances are awesome, but now you got to do it again. And it's pretty good. Pitt is not as bad as we thought they were. They no. already have an infinite amount more of conference wins from last year. That's what happens when you multiply by zero. That's what happens when and, you get rid of Kevin Stallings. Right. And they are, I believe, what, two and two in the um, ACC? Yes, two and two, two in the ACC. They, their losses are both against ranked teams. Against... By the way, they've played four really tough teams. Right. We're talking about North Carolina at home, lose by 15. Then you go. 25. You're, you're at home. Right. You're at home against Louisville. Oh, lost by 25. Sorry. 85 60. You're at home against Louisville. You win that game in overtime. Louisville team that we know crushed North Carolina on the road. They've been pretty good this year. You go. Louisville and Pitt kind of felt like they were in similar states of the program. I mean, both slightly. bringing in new coaches. Yeah. Um, but and it felt like they were losing a lot of talent. They've lost a lot of talent over these last couple of years, but they've been the two sleeper teams in the ACC. Right. Who's the ACC coach of the year right now? Is it Mac? Capel That's might a... be in the discussion, but probably not. It's not K. It's not K. I don't think because we kind of just expect I, Tony Bennett. I guess Tony Bennett's if your chalk answer. I mean, especially if they right. I mean, they're undefeated right now. They're so Big good. game against Duke on the road. Tony Bennett's the guy who deserves it, but... Is it going to be like one of those... Up-and-comers, yeah. But is it going to be one of those things where you're not going to give it to Tony Bennett because you're just sick of giving it to Tony right. Bennett? It's like the Bill Belichick thing right. or something like that. Popovich, I mean, they yeah. gave it to Passner in his first year. Passner was good his first year. Right. I mean, took his team to the NIT. I believe they won the NIT that year. Right. Or they finished... And they either they won or the they final. went to the championship. Yeah, I think so. Um, and the, actually, the Georgia Tech's obviously they beat Syracuse, but Passner's kind of proving that maybe he's a little bit better. He he went from maybe overrated to now slightly underrated, possibly. Right. So you also have to look at what Kevin Keats has done. Oh yeah, NC true, State's been good true. too. That's that's the third team that Pitt played. They won right. or they lost, excuse me, at NC State. They were kind of in control of that game for a while though. End up losing by six, eighty six, eighty. Buzz could get some love too. Right. There's a lot of coaches that deserve Tech's, recognition. Florida I mean, State is the team that they just beat at, at home. So yeah, they played three home games, but these are four teams, UNC, Louisville, NC State, Florida State, and they're 2-2. Two and two. And the Florida State win is getting completely overshadowed right now by the fact that – because it was the same day that Syracuse beat Duke. Right. And great you win. never know. that Maybe that's a little bit of a motivation factor. Like, hey, we beat a pretty damn good Florida State team. by 13, too. And, yeah, we blew them out, and – I mean, Florida State is good. They've got some athletes, and they they kind of they, – d- physically, they match up very similar to Syracuse in the fact that they're long. They, they'll come after you. Now, they've got a little bit better offense than Syracuse does, but Pitt absolutely dominated that game. Right. 
And even in the non-conference, when you look at what Pitt did, on the road at number 14, Iowa, at the time they were number 14, ACC Big Ten Challenge, they lose by one. They literally had a shot at the end of that game to steal one on the road at Iowa. And that felt like, whoa, they're way ahead of schedule after that Mm -hmm. game. They did lose to Niagara at home. You can't really beat around the bush on that one. But you still... You played a West Virginia team that's been really disappointing, pretty tough in Morgantown, showed that, you know, showed some stuff in the backyard brawl for a young team to go into Morgantown, play pretty tight. So this is a team that is much better than last year. If you sleep on them, they'll beat you. Right. They're, if you're looking ahead, they, they will beat the you. And that's true for every ACC team, I guess. I mean, Wake Forest even just beat NC State. It feels like Wake Forest might be the one team that, might not hold true, but after being NC State, they probably do deserve some recognition. I, I point is, Pittsburgh is a team that is not only way better than last year, but they're probably arguably a top 10 team in the conference right now. And I don't think Syracuse is going to be looking ahead because Miami kind of sucks, and you've got four full days to prepare, five full days, and, excuse me. Yeah, they can't look ahead anymore. Yeah, like, you, you, this is a game-by-game season The now. question is, will they – sort of play to their competition again, which I guess is a tough term to define because what is Syracuse's skill level at the time? We don't really know, but it feels like Georgia Tech, they play to their competition. Duke, they play to their competition, and that's been the trend all year with them for a lack of focus, maybe, who knows, but is are Pitt going to kind of slow this game down and make it into more of that 55, 60 point I mean, we've seen them do it. The last couple of years against Syracuse. Yeah. I mean, last year, Syracuse almost lost to Pitt. They almost gave Pitt their only conference win last yeah. year. I wonder if I think Jeff twice Capel too, yeah. and Beheim have ever played against each other. I'm guessing not I'm guessing, head-to-head, right? Well, he was at Oklahoma. Yep. I'd have to check. I think he was at Old Dominion before let's that. Go, let's check Orange Hoops right now because that is the greatest website. Oh, yeah. Shout out Orange time. Hoops. Yeah. That's an I mean, unreal website. This site has, if you're not aware of what this site does, it has pretty much anything you want to know about Syracuse basketball. And it's stats, it's nuggets, stats, every, every single game. It's got your all-time series. And, of course, as I'm hyping them up right now, it's not loading. <laughs> yes. So I guess we will not ever find out uh, when, if, if Bayheim. I would imagine they haven't, but, I mean, it's worth noting that Jeff Capel, I'm sure, knows Coach Beheim pretty well. Just right, because especially of the with Duke the Duke stuff. ties, yeah. But yeah, and he's a, he's proven that he's a good coach, and he deserved this job and the amount of money he got at Pittsburgh. I think it was maybe a little surprising just because people thought he was sort of waiting in the wings for Coach K to leave, kind of like a Hopkins situation, but not quite as right. as similar. Now or, it's John Shire's turn to wait. Yes, or <laughs> and Nolan Smith. eventually leave. Right. So... Yeah, no, Pitt, Pitt could cause some problems for Syracuse. They, they're they a team that I think should be everyone's trap game this year. You yeah. look at Pitt and you look at Louisville, and they kind of feel like everyone's trap game this year. Well, they were definitely Florida State's after FSU mm-hmm. had that big win over Duke, the classic hangover game, and fall to Pitt on the road. So Syracuse, they can't afford to lose focus at any point because, yes, this ACC schedule might be slightly easier than it has been in the past, and – now they're especially out of the gate. I said yeah, out of they're the gate. back on track. They right. they should be five and one if they, they win these next two at home. Right. But mm-hmm. you still get to the later part of the schedule. But this is how you want it to be five and one, too. Yeah, I, think you'll take I guess. This. Yeah, I mean, you get that quality. You lose right one away. of the other games. You pro- if you 
lost a game, I guess you'd probably want to lose to Notre Dame. I can't believe they call it a road game. Although road wins are big, maybe right. lose to Clemson, but I just can't believe because in the past it's been wow. Bring anyone into the Carrier Dome, and Syracuse has a chance. They can beat them regardless of how they're doing that year and how they're doing at that point in the season. And on the road, they've struggled. But this year, it's been the polar opposite. You lose to Old Dominion, Georgia and Tech, true road Buffalo games. at home, and you're 3-0 and on the road. 3-0 and in true Against road games. Ohio State, Duke, and Notre Dame. Three quality two ranked teams, teams. Two really good teams. Yeah, and you've shot the lights out in those One games, too. One great team, at least. Ten, at least 10 threes in all those games. They're is just that a better dome sight lines? I mean, yeah, I think it is. And I, I do think Duke and Notre Dame are, are two of the easiest venues to shoot the basketball in the ACC just because they're pretty close quarters and everything. But I don't know. I mean, the three-point shooting's got to get more consistent, and Chukwu and Howard need to be more consistent night in, night out, or at least one center needs to step up every game. Right. Okay. Any last basketball thoughts before we move into this football schedule? No. I mean, you think they take care of business against Pitt? Yeah. Yeah. I, I would it feels so. like the classic hangover game too, and <laughs> right, it's going to be close. It's going to be very yeah, close. Yeah, I think that's what Pitt does. I mean, they'll hang around. I still feel like it's not going to. It's be... still a young team that's coming on the road, right? And Pitt on the road isn't that great. No, I, I'd have to check their. their I mean, their, their only full... road game. Well, they they lost at West Virginia. Their only true road game here in conference play so far is at NC State. Right. They lost okay. by six, but you know, yeah, they haven't really won any true road games. All I want to see them face a zone too, because I mean, they you struggle against unique defenses, as evidenced by West Virginia, right? So, and West Virginia is not very good this year. Young team facing the zone, you you think they they'd hold ground, right? But we'll see. You never know with the Syracuse team. All right, let's move to football. Let's do it. Now, with this Syracuse schedule that came out, and I I just got to say, this is one of the funkier schedules I've seen. Yeah, it's kind of a tough stretch. Or just in college basketball or in college football in general. They have two bye weeks, too. They've got two bye weeks, which is something that I think the Big Ten does a lot of that. Right. But this is new for ACC, I feel like, right? I feel like it's modern. I. I, when I, I can't when remember. I heard two bye weeks, yeah. I was kind of blown away. Mm-hmm. Maybe I mean, I'm missing something because I didn't follow a lot of college football until the last five years or so. But two bye I weeks. I can't remember Syracuse ever having two so, bye weeks in the past five, six years. So Dino Babers always gets flack for not winning after the bye. Now, obviously, a different <laughs> case this year, but yeah. gets a lot of flack for not winning after the bye. Do both count? Or I, I guess. Your... I mean, I don't know. I, I'd take the second one, probably, because that's, like, second half of the season. And that is a weird – that was always a weird thing to give him flack for. He kind of puts to bed that narrative, of course, this year. But I don't know. I mean, it is just an odd schedule in the sense that your first two games are on the road, which right. I can't remember the last time that so has happened. I looked it up because uh, I, I wrote an article about the schedule for orangefizz.net, which Shameless you should plug. all go – or theorangefizz.com, whichever <laughs> you prefer. Um, the last time that Syracuse started out back-to-back games on the road was 2010. They split it. It was Akron, and I can't remember the other team. Okay. But they beat Akron, and then I think they lost to Cal, I want to say. Or no, it was Washington. They Washington. went all the way to Washington. Gotcha. And uh, they they lost that game. So you split the, you split on the road. Now, this is kind of a, an interesting schedule. And Liberty 
is essentially an FCS team. First year in the FBS will be next was, year. So. Or well, it was this past oh, year. Oh, this past year, This right. past year. They're also coached by Hugh Freeze. <laughs> that's a, a storyline for sure. Hugh Freeze, uh, for all the blindside fans out there, was the coach <laughs> at Ole Miss. Um, he's had some whereabouts elsewhere and is now at Liberty trying to rebuild that program that just had its first season as an independent in the FBS. So. Right. And then Maryland has trying a to be the next Notre too, Dame. The Alabama right. OC. So. First two games are basically relative. I mean, Freeze is now in his second year, right? right correct. Third, I believe second. So, yeah. It will be a second. So, two relatively new coaches, two road games, but two games. I mean, especially Liberty, they'll be big favorites in that one. Mm-hmm. Maryland, I'd still say they're favored. Yeah, they're even probably though, favored, especially yeah. with, with the Terps not getting Jalen Hurts yeah. too. So, you got to imagine Syracuse is probably favorites in both games, but the first game definitely determines the magnitude of favorite in the second game. Absolutely. Because yeah. how well did this team mesh and then go out and perform in a, That's in a road game? That's the only thing you can judge them on, too, at that right. point, really. Mm-hmm. And That's, Tommy DeVito. It, you're going to have a new left tackle, new wide receiver. A and, lot of new, new offensive line. I mean, new three seniors leaving. You're going to have to get guys like Kadir White to step up, mm-hmm. Carlos Vettorello, stuff like that. I mean, that's definitely a, a point of emphasis in the offseason, I'm right. sure. You do feel a little safer, though, because you've got Sam Heckle there, and he's started a lot of games in the past. Yep. So, first five games, you got Liberty and Maryland. Then you got Clemson, an ACC game, sandwiched right in the middle. And then Western Michigan and Holy Cross at home. So, you got three straight home games, in a sense. And let's just start with this Clemson game. It's got to be game Defending day, right? national champions, Syracuse has never been the location of game day. You think ESPN... I think they checked one off the box here. I think it's a lot. Seems pretty easy. I wrote an article today, Thursday, on Orange Fizz about it because, A, there's not that many great games that week, week three. I think Florida's at Kentucky, Penn State-Pitt, which is kind of a rivalry. I think mm-hmm. it's at Penn State. That maybe has some potential. It was at Pitt, not a chance. Right. I, I, I would say even then, like, you, you go to Pitt a lot, or Penn State rather a lot, and you probably get another chance later on down the road. Yeah, give this them is, like Michigan or something. So there's not that many good games. Clemson starts their season. They start on a Thursday night. They host Georgia Tech, which is kind of weird. So this will be their second ACC game in three weeks. But they they should beat Georgia Tech. Then they host Jimbo Fisher in Texas A&M week two. They probably should win that. I mean, there are two games in Death Valley, and you've got Trevor Lawrence, and we know that the greatest team ever apparently coming back. So Mm -hmm. you're looking at probably Clemson getting to 2-0, and if Syracuse takes care of business against Maryland, they're at 2-0. So it's two ranked teams. It's going to be two undefeated teams, likely. It's going to be, I would say, a sellout in the Dome. I mean, if this isn't a sellout, As long as they don't lose those first couple, I mean— right. And even if they do lose to Maryland, like tickets will be bought ahead of time, and right. it'll get to 50k. And I it's think. still Clemson defending champs. It's also the That's home opener, a year after they just went a perfect six and zero at home, right? And they challenged Clemson two years ago, or last year, of course, and beat him two years ago. So everything's aligned. Plus, John Wildhack, he 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 probably worked out a little bit of a deal here. I'll, I'll put Clemson week three, and my former employer ESPN will come to college game day. We got a good mm-hmm. setting for it. Post up on the quad. We've never done it. We're overdue. And we've got all this hype. It's going to be a huge game. Whoever wins that game will have the upper hand in the ACC. They've got the inside, yeah, inside yeah. track at the ACC championship. Yeah. So I want to bring this up because guest picker is always the big thing. Right. The chalk answer is, of course, 
Jim Beheim. And mm-hmm. he did have his little I, – I think he probably knew that game day would probably be coming to right. Syracuse at some point. He put on a little audition after the Ohio State game by saying that – Oh, the Urban the, the Buck, thing. Yep, he said yes. the Buckeyes will blow out Northwestern by – I think he said like over 20. Yeah, he's like and, never and they, bet against Urban yeah, Meyer. How could be you bet fool. against Urban Meyer? Yeah. Stuff like that. And he was dead right. So mm-hmm. game day is probably seeing that and says, hmm, Jim Beheim, like the legend, like of course there's he's already got probably got a, yeah. a relationship with Reese Davis know, and stuff like that. But ready for my sleeper pick? I'm ready because I, I don't really oh, wait, know if who, I want here. it to be Beheim. I'll let you say one. I'm trying to think. I guess Costas maybe. Like I don't have someone. Yeah, Costas has got nothing better. Right off, now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> come on. Um, off the top of his head, or off the top of my head, I don't have one thing or one guy, but. I just feel like Beheim's kind of a cop out. Like they can, but do it's better. not a terrible cop out. No, but it feels like they usually get musicians or something like that. It's not like you just ready the for mine? Head coach, give me yours. Tim Tebow. Oh my! He'll be gosh, playing in Syracuse because right. <laughs> that that really game September fourteenth. Area. That's my but thing. But he'll be playing for the Syracuse Mets next year, right? And it's just convenient. Yeah. I mean, they may have him. You know how he does his live hit. But is usually? that a celebrity? I mean, he works. What do you for mean? ESPN. How is, is exactly? Well, he's a celebrity. But they'll but like, have him on set for. I, I think it's going to be Tebow. That feels like you're just copying that's a out cop if out. You're ESPN. That's a cop yeah, out. You're just right. getting one of our guys. Like actually bringing someone who's different. Who but we I don't think get I think see. they'd play up the oh Syracuse met Tim Tebow narrative. Yeah, they probably. I bet they have him on. I mean, they might still just oh, he'll have definitely him be on, on in some capacity. Right, he'll have so, to be on. But I don't think that should Barring count as your celebrity guest picker. He doesn't have any affiliation yeah. to Syracuse. I mean, what does, like, I mean, the Chainsmokers, didn't they do one this year? Did they? I, the <laughs> musicians almost never have an affiliation. I guess you're right, but, like, in in some places they go, they live there. And at least right, they, like, fair. have a they could have the part Chainsmokers of the community on. a little bit. Because yeah. the Chainsmokers went to Syracuse, I think. Right. I don't know. I feel like it's a lot of country singers. I'm trying to yeah. think. Timberlake did one, right? Mm-hmm. But, but like they had a Rod. Was that was that a Miami game? Probably. Maybe. Maybe it was yeah. a Miami game. But I remember they had a Rod. This on only a- been a the thing best for one year. The guest picker. Yeah. No, I feel like it's been a thing for a while. Okay. I don't I watch like a lot it's of game day. More of a thing. Maybe because Wheels Up and all that started sponsoring yeah. it. Yeah. I don't really watch Game Day enough either, but I guess we'll be watching Week Three because yeah. you think it's a lock, right? I think it's about as. As lock as you can get. Yeah, it's got to be. If so. it's not this one, then when are they coming, or if, if ever? Because right. this is the stars are aligned. Week exactly. three, two. It's it's the biggest game of week three for sure. So, we we've kind of hit on the this early schedule. You got to make it out five and one. Yeah. Figure out a way to make it out. NC five State's kind of tough. Are you talking about basketball or football now? Basketball. Okay. Okay. Or I mean gotcha. football, football, football. Right. Sorry, sorry. Yeah, we got sidetracked. Um, yeah, you got to make it out five and one, I think. With a, you got to beat either Maryland or Clemson. Yeah, I mean, you, you should beat Maryland. You should beat Maryland. Because I mean, hey, you go, you go, you go. Oh wait, four and one. Sorry, my math is way. That's why I'm all over the place. That's why you were confused. But okay. Uh, so yeah, you got to make it out four and one. Because you're talking Holy Cross and Western Michigan. Holy Cross after. and Western Michigan should be. Fairly what are the easy odds wins? you think they beat Clemson? I would like it a lot more if this game was a Friday, and I know that <laughs> I know Clemson would not sign up for a Friday game at the Dome. Yeah, but does that change too much? I mean, if it's college game day, like 
there's going to be 50,000 people there for the first time since 87, I think. I mean, they say the max capacity is a little under 50, but they've said in the past that it's been around 50 sometimes. Yeah. Right. I don't know. Uh, it's obviously I'd way give too them a early fighter's to tell. chance. I mean, I mean they play Clemson tough every single year, right? And something the Tigers to be said are, about that. The Tigers are probably ter- are probably pretty tired of that narrative by, at this point. Yeah, they just want to. I mean, they, they're the national champs. They've beaten Bama two of the past three years, and right now they're probably thinking this is our last kind of hurdle to climb. Is we got to shake off Syracuse? Yeah, because they seem like. Clemson seems like it's in a pretty good position to beat Alabama for the foreseeable future. Right. I'll say this. In order to win a game in the Dome with that many people and presumably that loud of a crowd and everything, you've got to be a lot more talented than Syracuse, I think. I do think that's going to be a huge home field advantage that week, and they might not lose in the Dome all year outside of if they lose that Clemson game. I think that would be their only game they'd lose. All right, so enough of that. Let's – get into the back end of the schedule it feels pretty easy yeah i mean am i missing something here you're gonna have a buy in there at some point you've got the the buy after boston college and at florida state's tough at florida really state's tough. always going to be tough and they bring in a top 20 recruiting class willie taggart's probably got that program right back where it needs to be um but pit at home should be a I mean, win. should be a win. little revenge factor for some guys, too, mm-hmm. that probably feel like they got gypped in that game. At Florida State's tough. Home against Boston College doesn't scare me. They're no. losing a lot of big pieces, too. They still have A.J. Dillon, who ran rampant against the Orange in that building. Right. But, um, At Duke, kind of scary. I mean, that's sort of a weird one because we've never really seen this group with Dino Babers go to Durham. Mm-hmm. Like, right. What, what to expect there? And we only see that matchup once every six years, so – that's why I, I do think Duke is obviously it's usually a predictable program. They'll be like right. seven and five, six and six, eight and four, right in there and win some games that maybe they shouldn't have won and lose some games they shouldn't have won. Mm-hmm. So that one's kinda sneaky tough, maybe. And that N C State is still a hostile environment, even yeah. without Ryan Finley. But that's that's your first road game of ACC. That's game like six yeah. on the schedule. Now uh, you know, interesting with Duke. I saw a stat, um, over in December at some point. You know David Cutcliffe has never had a player transfer from his program? That is wild. I saw that too. I, I, like, how is that even possible? That, that just blows my mind. I mean, that, I mean, that's how a program should be run. That, that means he is upfront, honest with <laughs> right. all these players. And, yeah. I mean, you'd figure that it's not even necessarily a, a part of Cutcliffe lying at some point. At some point in time, you would figure – that one guy would just say, hey, like, uh, I knew I wasn't right. going to be a starter here, but I still want to try and find a better opportunity somewhere else. That may be a lesser program. Yeah, it'd be like a Devin Butler type situation. Like, even who knows if Butler was a little disgruntled, they didn't get enough playing time or whatever this year, but he'd probably even tell you, like, I think this program's heading in a great direction. I like playing for Dino Babers, but I want to go where it's best for me. And right. you'd think that would happen, although it's probably a little tougher to convince your parents if you're a player and you're having that conversation and you say, hey, I want to leave Duke, which is obviously academically one of the best schools in America. Exactly. That you, contributes to it a little. That Yeah. So if you include the Florida State game, Syracuse finished the, finishes the season against four of the worst five teams in the conference by ACC record. 
from last season. Now, obviously, that's interesting. Things can change because I mean, look at Syracuse. They finished as the worst team in the conf- as the worst team in the Atlantic last year and was yeah. one of the worst teams and probably a team that people knew that they'd be a lot better. Right, but not that around, much but better. not this yeah. much better. That could very well happen to Florida State where they make the big turnaround or who knows, maybe maybe Wake Forest has some recruits coming in or or Louisville. I I don't see Louisville doing that, but no. Uh but maybe Duke is that team. Maybe Duke is that team that makes the big spike next year and that's not the team you want to face especially on the road, but right now you're facing four of the five worst teams from last year in the conference to close out your season. You just got to get to, I would say, November and feeling good about your program. Yeah. And you should cruise the rest of the way. I think we knew they were going to be playing these teams and where these games were going to be. The fact that NC State is sort of your first road game in ACC play and it's week six adds a little more emphasis to that game for me just because – you might lose to Clemson, and you're probably not going to be favored to beat Clemson, even though you're at home. So now you're in danger of going 0-2 in ACC play. And if you're 0-2, that just takes a lot of the luster out of the season, It's, it's if you're that way in the conference. I mean, they could take care of business at Maryland and all that, and they could end up being fine, but that feels like it could be sort of a turning point game. All right, any last thoughts on the schedule? You know, I think game day is a lock. That's, that's <laughs> literally a <laughs> Those lock are your at this thoughts. point. Yep. Okay. That is fair. Time for that boy legendary. Oh, I'm I'll let you start because I think we've got some good ones this week. <laughs> so that boy legendary. I I'm excited for this week mostly because of yours, but <laughs> I'm gonna let you. Yours get is to good yours. too. Yeah. So so mine's kind of up on a tee here. I'm gonna go Elijah Hughes. Not only because he was legendary in his performance against Duke. He plays. All 45 minutes, we saw the 80-foot half-court shot. Just in the first half alone, he scores 18 points and brought them back from the dead in the season and also in that game itself against Duke. But more importantly, the comment. (laughs) As he went to Instagram after the game, Tyus Battle posts his classic chasing perfection. That's his hashtag, right? First off, all right, time to do a little investigative work. After the Buffalo game, Tyus Battle says he does not have social media. Ooh. Which is a blatant lie. Now, it's one thing to not check social media. You asked him that, and he said that. I didn't, I didn't ask him. Someone okay. else asked him about, like, oh, the noise you see on social media. He's like, yeah. I don't have social media. Um, and I was like, uh, yeah, you do. Is he just talking Twitter? Because you unfollowed me on Instagram. <laughs> um, <laughs> right, right. And then he goes out and posts <laughs> this. Did you ever so, confront him about that? No, I'm, I'm not going to. Okay. All right, move on. Carry on. <laughs> You're No, but, yeah, so he says he doesn't have social media and then goes to post this, so. Anyway, continue. Yeah, so he clearly does have social media. He posts mm-hmm. his chasing perfection. Good time to post it. I mean, you know, he's he's high, and, and everyone around him is is singing his praises, rightfully so. And there's a couple photos and whatnot. And Elijah Hughes, who's been pretty funny on social He definitely has social he's media. He's hilarious. He he's does. Been he's on social tweeting media. tweeting a lot. He uh, goes in comments, and the comment is really why he's my That Boy Legendary this week, because he said... And I'm quoting here, Jack White, come the f*** here. <laughs> I mean, that, I mean, that, I saw that. I sent it to you, and I was like, I mean, this is that boy legendary. That's the best comment ever. Maybe was, by a Syracuse had, athlete ever. It was so funny. And, <laughs> I mean, he's just calling out Jack White. And 
But, I mean, Jack White was awful. He Jack was White was 0 for 10. 10. He couldn't guard so, battle. I mean, it hey, was Jack great. White, come the f*** here. And maybe, maybe, maybe he knows him a little bit, and, you know, that made it sort of less of a disrespectful thing. But it goes back to my point about Elijah Hughes. He's cocky. He's arrogant. But... He's not he over. He backs it up. Yeah, he's he backs it up, and he's not over that line, that thin line that I don't a lot care of players if you're, cross. If you're cocky and arrogant, if you back it up, right, you do you. Yeah, that, that's kind of my thing. All right, and now Jack White's probably going to make 15 threes <laughs> yeah. in the dome. Jack, Jack White's about to to splash the John Gillen special. What if Jack White does that and then comments on like a Duke player's Instagram on like Zion's? Yes, and he's like, "Where's Elijah Hughes at?" or whatever. <laughs> That'd be pretty funny. So my that boy legendary. Is Charles Barkley. <laughs> if you haven't seen it, Barkley went on the Dan Patrick. Well, first, Jim Beheim went on the Dan Patrick yes. show right after Syracuse beat Duke. So the morning after. And if you didn't hear the comments, Jim Beheim after the game basically said Zion Williamson is like Charles Barkley, um, where he's just like an unbelievable player and great explosive. rebounder, explosive, big guy. But he's not as fat as Charles Barkley. <laughs> And that got some people riled up, got some laughs, so that's always fun. Now, Barkley, or well, th- this is a great job by Dan and the Danettes yes, for setting this as up. as always. So, Beheim's on the show, and while they have him on, Dan Patrick addresses the, the whole Barkley thing. And he Beheim gives his answer. He's like, well, well, Jim, we've got someone on the line who would like to, to talk to you about that. And it's Charles Barkley. And Barkley, and Barkley kind of goes in on Bayheim. It was pretty funny. He says, Jim, next time I see you, I'm going to ask you two things. One, take off your glasses. And two, I'm going to hit you square between the eyes. And <laughs> Don't punch a man with you glasses. Because you don't punch a man with glasses on. And, I mean, their back and forth was hilarious. And, I mean, I love Barkley. And Bayheim had some gold there. I love Bayheim's. Yeah, and they're clearly, it was all in, the, in good fun. In the public like that. Yeah. So. It was all in good fun. If you haven't seen that yet, check it out. But right. Charles Barkley. Funny how Bayheim is so quick to go on. Dan Patrick, Jim Rome, whatever yeah. it is, after a big yeah. win like that. I mean, we why wouldn't got you? a Julie appearance. In yeah. That, in that. <laughs> Julie. It was clearly on speaker, and, and Julie said something. I think Jim brought up how Julie made a comment about Barkley and where his weight is distributed. <laughs> yeah. To put it uh, friendly, and then Julie was like, hey, Charles, in the background. <laughs> you should listen to it if you haven't. Yeah. yeah. It was really funny. It was awesome. All right, that's all I got. That's all I got, too. That was, what, a minute, and f- an hour and five? Yeah. Really long fist cast. We're running out of gas, man. Yeah. <laughs> I went skiing today. My body is just ailing. And yeah, I'm... We'll, we'll have to end it so you can tell me about skiing because yeah. I want to recap on that. All right, we'll talk soon.